Thank you, Lord. Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and your kindness. As we approach your word tonight, we believe that you are with us and you are most faithful to direct our steps, to pour into our lives those things that we need, those things that are necessary for this day and this hour, for us to fulfill your will and accomplish your plan and walk so very close with you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. James chapter 4. Let's read the first part of this verse again. Verse 8. Verse 8. It says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. The uh, New Living Translation says it this way. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. And so we've been the last couple weeks in this series of new, uh, a new teaching series that I started that, like I said, I've never really taught this in particular in this way before, uh, but I call it close and taking it from these scriptures here, drawing near to God. Can you see here that there is a movement that's supposed to take place and both you and the Lord are involved in that? He has already uh, drawn us to himself. Of course, Jesus said, no one comes to my Father unless he draws them. And so the very fact that we're interested in God, that we're in church, that we have a relationship with him, is because he was so gracious and so kind to draw us to himself. Many of us have responded. In fact, everyone who's here has responded to some degree because we're here. Otherwise, people just don't come to church. On a Saturday night, right? In the world, I mean, why would you do that, right? It's not exactly entertaining, right? It is? All right. Well, all right. Moving along. Uh, uh, Let's get back to the point here. God drew us to himself. But now the scripture says again, if we will come close or draw near, come close to God, then he will come close or he will draw near. So that space between us shrinks right up. And we can initiate this now. He started it, but we now respond and we can initiate a relationship with him that is so very intimate and so very close. God wants you to have that with him. All right. You don't have to have a distant you know, arm's length relationship. You don't have to uh, feel like you're like he's far away. He's he never really is. But this is something that we're supposed to do. God wants us to continually come to him to get the grace, to get the resources we need from him to succeed. Okay. If ever I lack something, it's not because God is withholding it from my life, or he he wants me to do without. He has made all grace. All his goodness, all his strength, all his ability, all his resources available to every member of his family. And really those who are not members of his family, they just need to come into the, come into the family. But he's made all of these things available, healing everything. If ever I'm missing something, it's never because God's withholding it. Okay, He has made all these things available to us in this new covenant of grace. But we just have to go by and pick some stuff up. Amen. And that's why he's invited us to draw near to him, to come to his throne, to come to where he is, so that when we get real close, we get influenced. We get loaded up with stuff. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like what sometimes if, if I send our kids over to my mom's house, uh, they have very frequently come home loaded up. <laughs> what do I mean? They went to the mall <laughs> because that's one of those things that grandmas love to do. If they're able to do that, they like to shower blessings on their grandkids. And, and how many know the Lord loves to do that more than grandma does? And you get close to him and you get loaded up. I like the King James Version of one of the Psalms says that he daily loads us with benefits. Yeah, daily loads. Uh, you just get close to him and everything missing is no longer missing. Everything lacking gets filled up. And that's just the nature and character of God. But know this, these things take place with continual visits. I mean, I don't know, Grandma might send something in the mail occasionally if she didn't see you for a while, but you just kind of got to go. You just got to go visit. You just got to go see her. And then, I don't know, there's something about that love in the heart that's, that just, she just can't, can't help herself. And I have a feeling that love comes from God. And there's something about the Father and His love for you and for me. He just can hardly help Himself. He just wants to bless and shower us with His goodness and kindness and gifts and all the good things that He brings. And so the the Christian life will not be the same without an intimate relationship with God. Okay? Watch. Without, I didn't say without a legal relationship. That's all, all of ours in Christ the day we get born again. But that doesn't mean there's a closeness. There's an intimacy between you and the Lord. And that can be. And, and it's supposed to be. And none of us should attempt to walk with God and live for God without that kind of relationship. I, I really, you know, listen, God wants to deposit things in us so that we succeed. And none of us were meant to live for Him without all the resources that He gives us. Everything is better when this closeness with God exists in your life. Now, as a pastor, I know that I need to deal with various subjects and issues and things that people are challenged with in life and and struggles and just to give biblical wisdom and guidance and just to teach the word on a myriad of different subjects uh, so that people can overcome and, and experience God's best in all areas of life. All right. In other words, it's, it's right to talk about relationships and biblical guidelines and marriage. It's right to talk about health and healing and physical things. It's, it, it's, it's right to talk about uh, overcoming fear. It's right to talk about living by faith and walking in love and having, you know what I'm talking about? All these things are right and biblical and we have and will continue to teach and, and explain some of these biblical principles. However, I know this, that... What I'm talking about now will make a lot of that almost unnecessary. I don't mean we don't need to know it and understand it. But I mean there is a lot of that that you will pick up directly from the Lord. I don't mean that the Lord will cease using people to teach and and explain. He won't. That's His plan. But a lot of what you need... And of what God wants to deposit and put in your life and explain to you and stir you up in will come directly when you live in an intimate, close relationship with God. In fact, if I were to teach and do a message on some aspect of a marriage relationship or a friendship or something like that, 
And those people, those two people or more, did not have an intimate relationship with God, then I have my work cut out for me. I don't mean that the Word of God won't work for them. But I mean, if you're dealing with two people who regularly and consistently draw near to the Lord, oh, that's the easiest thing in the world to get things fixed. There is something that that produces in a person's heart that makes everything else click. And if I want to teach on faith for finances or something like that, and you have an intimate relationship with God, I tell you what, my teaching on that is really going to click. It, because a lot of it, you'll, you'll have already picked up, and it'll be, yeah, I knew that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what the Lord's saying to me. See, we'll be just on the same, same wavelength. And when it comes to any subject, I tell you what, I believe this, that my job of pastoring and my associates who, who helped me to do this, it, it, our job becomes a lot easier. And really, here's the end result. We reach a lot more people when those in the house do not just become religious or have an arm's length relationship, but they're walking tight with him. When we worship the Lord, they're there. You know what I'm talking about? When that happens, oh, it just makes everything work better. It just makes everything click. Praise God. And so, listen, if you're not there, come on now. I hope you're walking the right direction. I hope you're drawing near and drawing close. Because nothing I can say or do or anyone else can say or do can replace that. And you, all by yourself, have access to God Himself, to the Father and His heart and His throne. You can visit there. You can be there at any time. Amen? And so in God, in Him, there is great balance. There's nothing missing. There's nothing lacking. You know, Paul, uh, Paul sought, he was talking to the Thessalonians. He sought to perfect what was lacking in them, what was lacking in their faith. The scripture says that's just the way God is. He wants to identify areas in your life that are missing so he can fill them. If something's lacking, he wants to fill it up. He wants there to be no absences, no, no, no voids of anything that's good. Now, John chapter 17. Let's look at that together. The 17th chapter of John. If you've ever wanted to hear Jesus pray, well, you should read John 17. And it is a prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father. But he began his, his prayer to the Lord in, in a very interesting and revealing way. He said, well, the scripture says in verse 1 of John 17, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, I guess it's okay to pray and not close your eyes. I guess sometimes it's okay to go like this, right? And, just, and, and lift up your eyes to heaven. That's what Jesus did. He, he said, Father, would that be a good way for us to start our prayer? Father. Yeah, yeah. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many 
as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, it's very interesting to me to note how Jesus uh, defined eternal life. How he did not just speak of length of life. He, he didn't speak of it in relationship to just going to heaven, which is often what we think. We think eternal, well, that's forever, right? And, uh, and we think uh, eternal life, well, that's what you need to go to heaven. And, and those things are absolutely true. But he said that this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. He defined eternal life as a person knowing God. Think about that. Eternal life equals knowing God. Not just being saved from sin, but obviously the saving of a person from sin, the cleansing of their life, was to an end of being in a relationship and knowing God. Everybody with me so far? Okay. And so... Jesus defined it this way, and this has always been God's plan, not just to have a bunch of people who would obey Him, who would do what He says, but rather, He would have people that He knows, or people that know Him. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment, because the way that we sometimes think of knowing God is missing the point and incorrect in the way that the Scriptures talk about it. All right? The word that is used there, uh, talking about knowing God, uh, W.E. Vine explains it this way. He said, It signifies to be taking in knowledge, to come to know, recognize, understand, Or to understand completely. Now think about God in in the context. To understand completely. uh, Frequently indicates a relationship between the person knowing and the object known. So if I know God, I don't just know facts about Him. I can't just give the rundown of all the descriptive words about Him. Although that may also be true. In this respect, what is known is of value or importance to the one who knows. So if I know God, it's not I just know these things about Him, but it means that I value Him. It means that I put a lot of importance on Him. If I don't do that, then I don't know Him like this is talking about. Everybody with me? It says... Value or importance to the one who knows, and hence the establishment of the relationship. This verb is also used to convey the thought of connection or union as between a man and woman. Many of you know the scriptures, both Old Testament and New, and New Testament, will use the language when a man and woman have a sexual union, it will use this language that he knew her. They knew each other. And how many know what that means? 
Okay, again, what I just said, it means more than uh, she has blonde hair, she's five foot five, she, no, 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 it means experience, doesn't it? It means, no, 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 I, I, they knew each other. <laughs> they knew each other. Okay, this is an understanding, it's why they could in their day use this word interchangeably with a man and a woman having a sexual union and also use it in knowing God. Because their understanding of a person knowing God was not just, I've learned these facts about him, but I have an, a, 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 a respect, a desire to be in relationship, and I have experiences, experiential knowledge of him. That is what Jesus said is eternal life. Now, when, when the Lord and when the Bible talks about life, we know an eternal life. It's speaking about quality of life, not simply and only length of life. So the Bible says, here's the deal. If I am going to have a quality of life that God defines by his very own self and nature, then I must have experiences with God that will lead to it. If I don't know God in an experiential way, I will not have the quality of life that he wants and really that I want. But think about it for a moment. Isn't that what people seek in life? That's what people in government, they're all seeking to improve the quality of life for the citizens of our country. They want to lift people out of poverty and, you know, hopefully they do. Uh, Let's not get into that. But, you know, that's the goal of so many people in life. They want to raise their own standard of living, raise the quality of their life. They want the quality of their children's life to be better than what they had. Okay? Here's the deal. Most people are missing it. Because the quality of life that God wants for us and that we seek only comes through this type of knowledge of God. There are, listen, how many know there are people that have studied the Bible front and back and know language and know history and know culture, but don't know God? When I say they don't know Him, I don't mean they couldn't tell you a thousand things about Him. They couldn't quote a thousand scriptures and and do all this stuff. But that's not what that means. He said the quality of your life, the very thing you want... The very people thing people seek in relationship, in education, in career, in finance, in, ed- in entertainment, and in all the very thing that people are seeking, he said, it only comes when you'll experience me, when you'll know me to the degree that Adam knew Eve. You were that close, and you had experiences with him. That's what makes your life amazing. And if you and I don't know that, then we don't know life. We don't know eternal life, even if it's been deposited in us and we've received it from the Lord. This kind of relationship with God is not only necessary, it's not only what the inside of you cries for, it's what God intended from the very beginning. It's what He had in mind for mankind when He created us. And when we messed it up and He put our sin on Jesus, it's what He was thinking about again. He said, I want to have you close to me. And when you get close to God, everything changes. And everything gets way better. 
It gets way better. It, the quality of our life goes through the roof so that, it, so that it can only be defined by the life of God. Praise God. Let's go over to Philippians chapter 3. Can you handle a little bit more? And so this knowledge of God is not merely intellectual, but experiential. If I were to tell you about Amy, my wife, how many know I, I, could, I could tell you some facts, you know, I could say she's so tall, she was born on this date, she was, uh, she's interested in these things, and, and you all could get somewhat of an idea, if I'm talking about if you didn't know her at all, you could get some idea of what she's like and, and so forth, right? And you can kind of have an idea of what she's about. And if I described her enough physically, maybe you'd even recognize her if you didn't know her and she came walking in. You would say, oh, that kind of sounds like her. And you can get to know a lot of things about someone that way. Likewise, we can do that with the Word, and we're supposed to. We're supposed to get the facts. We're supposed to learn about the things that God has done and, and, and see, see, see it that way. But how many know, uh, if, you really, if I were really to tell you about my wife to the degree that you would really understand her, I would have to start telling stories. I would have to start, start telling you experiences of, that we've had and how she acted and how she responded and things we've done together. and th- You know what I'm talking about? And, and if I got through telling you about all the things that I've experienced with her, that would be a whole different revelation of who she is. All right? Likewise, you can talk about God in different ways. And some talk about Him on a whole other level. Because it's not just, I mean, and again, we're supposed to use the Scripture and quote the Scripture and all that. But some people, they talk about him like they actually know him. And so you talk about him like he's real. Like he's a real person. Like you have conversations and he says things to you. Now, I'm not talking about being, trying to be put on or, you know, I've seen phony, phony spirituality. You know, and, and people trying to make you think something that's not really there. And I'm not for that at all. We have to be the real deal. But if I can never, it, it, let me say it this way. If I've been a Christian for more than a couple weeks, you know what I'm talking about? If I've been a Christian for years and I have, and I can never tell you about something that the Lord showed me or how the Lord worked in my life or the Lord said something to me, or if I don't have any of those kind of things, I got a question how close I am to him. If, he, if he's real and you have a relationship, there ought to be communication. There ought to be experience. There ought to be times where he just blew your mind. Hmm? And if that's not present in your walk with God, don't fake it or act like it. You don't have to impress me or anybody else, but talk to him like that. C- could, you say, c- c- could you say in prayer, Father, I know you. You know I know you. Or would you feel like you're just kind of putting on? Not in front of anyone else, just by yourself. If you can't, you know, say, Father, I, I don't feel like I really know you like I'm supposed to. But I want to. Show yourself to me. And you share with him what's on your heart. And continue that way. You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. That's just not a five-second deal. I draw near. Where are you? Okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> it's a continual heart condi- heart position. 
where we say, Lord, I'm going to live with you in the morning. I thank you that you are here. You are in my life. And you continually think and operate that way and watch the presence and reality of God get so real to you that you will start to have experiences with Him. And I'm telling you, you thought you knew Christianity? (laughs) You thought you knew what it meant to be saved? Jesus said, this is eternal life. When you know me, you know my Father. Amen. Praise God. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Now this is the Apostle Paul, wrote this book. He's been talking in this chapter about all the great things that he did, about all his accomplishments, and uh, all the things that that he was. Verse 7, he says, But what things were gain to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Of the what? Of the knowledge of Him. What's he talking about? I memorized the stats. No, no. That's not what that word meant to them. Even if it means that to us. Let's fix it. He said, I want to be with Him. I want to know Him intimately. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. Now now think about that for a moment. He had a lot of accomplishments. Paul, he was formerly known as Saul, he was highly esteemed by, by his contemporaries in his day. He had accomplished some things, and he was a well-educated and accomplished person. But he says about everything that he has done, I count that in comparison to the knowledge of Jesus, I count that as rubbish. All right, different translations will say, say things like dung. <laughs> All right, I don't, you know, some, some uh, will say it's like what you would throw to the dogs. You know, I don't know if we just say cow chips, poop. You know, you know he's saying everything I have accomplished. Now, think, here, here, I want us to think about this, and I want to be uh, somewhat graphic, respectfully, so we, can, uh, so we can get an idea of what he's saying here. This is a big statement, all right? How many people, I don't know what you have hanging on your walls at home. How many cow chips you have on your wall? Is that what you call those? When they dr- Buffalo chips or cow pie? Manure. Think about it. I mean, li- listen, I've got some things on my wall. People put up degrees. People put up accomplishment, recognition. They have trophies. They have things that they've done, photographs of, of, of the successes they've had in life. And again, I'm not saying that anyone's is wrong for doing that, Okay. But notice what he said. All the things that I've accomplished, that's a bunch of garbage. That's just a bunch of dung. That's rubbish compared to this. And so many of us, we live our lives for all that stuff. We think, this is it. You see what I did here? And I got this, and I got this. And, and we, you know, I shot that, and I, <laughs> I reeled that one in, and... And again, am I saying that's wrong to do any of that stuff? No, but let's keep it in perspective. It's what he did. 
He said, all these things I have accomplished that men applaud and I thought were great. And you, you compare that to having an intimate relationship, a knowledge of Jesus. You can't eat. That's a bunch of garbage. That's a bunch of nothing. That tells me he had some glimpses. He had some experience with Christ to measure that stuff against. And it was so far beneath that he said, it's a bunch of junk. And I have a feeling that the more we experience and know of him, the more we see the stark difference there is in that relationship and everything else. And we will stop seeing them as, as real close. You know, should I, should I spend time in church and, and spend time with the Lord, or should I go do this other thing? They're too close in your mind, man. You don't see it clear. If I think that way, I am not seeing things clear. I, I'm, I'm, I'm comparing it to whatever, some experience I've had or lack thereof, some religious deal, and all of a sudden, hmm, which one should I do tonight? I go to church or should I do this? Should I spend time with the Lord or should I should I watch this on TV? It's like, um, I'm not sure. Paul said it's like this. He said, everything else is a bunch of dung compared. This tells me, because of someone who was very accomplished and had done great things, this tells me how good it is. And if I ever think for a moment, man, it's not that good. Or it's not, it's not that desirable. I mean, it's fine. I know. I love the Lord. But, you know, you know, no big deal. Then I am totally missing it. I am not seeing who he really is. And I've got to get things in perspective. I need to draw close. Listen to this verse, verse 8 from the Amplified Bible. Anybody have the Amplified Bible? Yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding Him more fully and clearly. This was someone who knew God, who had some experience. And he said, man, the more I have, the more I want. The more I have experience of him, I just want to see clearly. I want to see more. I want to experience him more. There is no roller coaster. There is no drug. There is nothing else. There, there is nothing in this life that can, can get me the thrill and the satisfaction and fulfillment of being with God, of knowing him. Praise God. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So what's he talking about him? Things in order. Notice, I want to know him. That's first and foremost. Remember, before everything, before we do anything for God, before we uh, serve him serve him or serve others before we minister to others and before we get people saved this is most important everybody with me the most important thing you have ever done in your life is gotten close to God the most important thing you could ever accomplish is have an intimate relationship with him we don't even put the evangelization of the world ahead of that that comes out of it 
And if this isn't in place, that is futile. Everybody with me now? Okay. So he said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. We want to know the power of God? Yeah. How do we want to know it? I want to be able to describe it, to define it like Webster would. No. I want to experience the power of his resurrection. I want to know it through practical application and use. The power of God. Amen? And he goes in. I know the next one's not exciting, but the, fellow, the fellowship of his sufferings. How many, how many know he sometimes, uh, you know, you get persecuted for being a Christian, and the Spirit of God will fellowship and comfort you in the middle of that association with his sufferings, being conformed to his death. And, of course, we, desi- we die to our own fleshly desires and so forth, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. And uh, a lot I can say there, Paul's not questioning his salvation, obviously, and I might be raised from the dead. He's the one who taught that everyone is actually raised from the dead. He's talking again about experiencing the power and life of God, and, and might even be referring to uh, certain types of, of resurrections that we know some will achieve a better resurrection than others, talking about reward for, their, uh, for what they've done in life. Go to Hebrews 8. You got a few more minutes? Hebrews chapter 8. Or should I say, you got something more important to do? Uh, I'm not going to (laughs) answer. You'll think I'm a bad person. (laughs) Listen, God's love for us doesn't change because we're doing these things that we're talking about and pursuing this, this knowledge of God. His love for us stays the same. But our love for Him doesn't necessarily stay the same if we ignore this, this eternal life that He's offering us. Everybody with me? Hebrews chapter 8, notice with me, verse 10. Hebrews 8, 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. Think about that. Not ten commandments. Not write them on a stone and you go see what they are. Or write them on a page and now you follow these rules. He said, now in this new covenant, I will write them on their minds and on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. What, he, what is he saying here? He's saying, in this covenant, in this dispensation, in this new way that I'm relating to you, a revelation and understanding of me is going to come from the inside. It's not all going to come from someone else explaining God to you. But it will come from the inside out. God himself, with the day you were born again, he started writing things on the inside. And that's where we are to live out of today. We can have an intimate knowledge and experience, experiential relationship with him from the inside out. That means anywhere, anytime, wherever you are, There He is, ready to commune, ready to instruct, ready to teach. John even said in 1 John chapter 2, you don't need that anyone teach you, but you've received an anointing, and that anointing will teach you all things. Again, doesn't mean that God isn't using people, teachers and so forth, to teach, but He's saying, as a believer, there's an anointing inside of you. 
even as I share tonight, you know if you've got that same spirit in you, you're being taught from the inside out. And God is just using my words to stir up what He's already written in your heart. And it becomes a reality in your life. And it becomes more yours when you get it on the inside. I'd much rather have God say something to me in the secret place that, that I have with Him than someone come prophesy to me. And I like prophecy. I believe in it. I'd rather that be a confirming word. It's just more real to me when I know God has told me on the inside. Praise God. And this is one of the ways, this is, this, this is the primary way that, that He deals with us. In the New Covenant, God reveals Himself to us from the inside. He will show Himself to you personally. Look to Him. Not just to others to learn about Him. How many know the Bible should be read to lead us closer to God. We don't want to make the knowledge of the Scripture our goal. And there's nothing wrong with memorizing Scripture. I'm not down on that. Uh, Like you shouldn't memorize the Bible. That can be helpful. But if we just memorize the Bible, and I know where all the books are, and I know where all the Scriptures are, and all this stuff... And it doesn't lead us into an intimate relationship with the author, then we've missed the point. And that oftentimes leads leads people into bondage and pride and all kinds of other things. But when you let this book and you let this service and you let our worship and you let all the things that we do lead you into a closer, intimate relationship with Him, you're going the right way, man. You are absolutely going the right way. Not that we use God to get to the Bible. Lord, teach me your word. And and that's not a bad statement, but I just don't want to have a relationship with this. I want to have a relationship with him. And and can I say this before I I finish today? I I might tell you this again later. (laughs) But I'll tell you right now, so you have an advanced copy. Whenever a pastor or a church or something has as their goal to get people, I mean, let me say it this way, their highest goal, the most important thing is to get people connected with the church, then they won't tell you the truth. But when their highest goal is to get you connected with God, then they'll shoot you straight. Because there's some things that are true and need to be said, but also drive some people away. You can see it even in the ministry of Jesus. He said some things. People didn't like it. But he told them the truth anyway. Everybody with me? And if a relationship with God is pinnacle here, and it is, then we can be honest with one another. We can tell a brother, we can tell a sister the truth even when it hurts. Well, what if they they leave? Well, their relationship with the church is not the final goal. It's a part of the process that God will use, but the goal is to have them connected with Him. And I don't want to be a place where, you know, you can't really say everything. I'm talking about right things, though. I'm talking about speaking the truth in love. 
But you can't say that because, you know, people won't like that. Well, then we're a bunch of hypocrites. We've got to be able to speak the truth in love and say things the way they are. You know, it's kind of like if you're going to, if you're going to, whenever you buy something from someone who's making a profit on that, you have to realize that they are biased <laughs> towards that product. And you, I mean, how many know as a, as a consumer, you have to be aware of that, that this person selling me this, they're going to tell me everything good about it, and they might not tell me some of the downside, right? It's just wisdom. Hmm. And, uh, and so you, when you know that someone is that way, well, you, you know, you have to educate yourself. But to truly have unbiased approach to things is desirable. And I don't know that any of us have that completely. We all have our things that we're, you know, we see, the Bible says we see through a, a glass darkly, a mirror dimly. We don't see it all. We're not all clear on everything. But if our heart can be and our, 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 our goal, our motive is we want to personally be tight with Him and all those in our lives, that's our desire for them, more than them accepting us, more than them accepting our way, if they will walk with God. And that's what He sent His Son for. That's why Jesus came. And we'll let, we'll let God work on people, help them get in the right place at the right time. Amen? Amen. Amen. God's got good things for us. I tell you what, he wants, to, he wants to do some amazing things in our lives. Let's let him have his way. Praise God. Father, today we're so thankful for your goodness, your faithfulness toward us. You're doing a work in our day. Many have longed for, many have sought and prayed for, and here we are. Father, how do we deserve this? We don't. But with thanksgiving, we receive by faith this amazing offer. Right now on the inside, draw near to Him. There He is. He's right there with you. Father, we draw ourselves near to You. We thank You that You speak and minister to us from the inside. You are so faithful, so gracious, and so kind. Father, as each one approaches you now, I thank you there's a deposit of the very essence of your presence. Your grace abounds. The fullness of all you are fills our lives. And it's better than anything else. It's better than any natural thing. Lord, your presence thank you that you've invited us in we can draw close draw close to you to your very heart and throne Father reveal yourself I pray to all of us today may we know your ways may we experience and know your love may we be filled with the fullness of God Father may our walk our walks with you be what you had in mind not defined by generations past not limited to what we've experienced before but Father may we be enlightened and be aware of you and all your grace 
as we walk through this open door. Into your presence we go. And your glory now you do show. And we all are filled. And we all are full. And we all walk with you. This is what you want. And this is what we want. So Father, have your way in us now. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your amazing love. (laughs) Praise God. You're so good to us, Father. Thank you for being in our lives. Thank you for being in our lives today. And now your grace abounds. And now there's deposits and there's, there's, there's influence in our lives, in our minds. Things are being fixed. Things are being rearranged. Your amazing grace is all over this place. Thank you, Lord, for setting things right, for making things clear. Where all the confusion and doubts existed now comes confidence and faith in this place. So we receive of you. We're energized and empowered. Lord, and we live our lives not alone, but we live, these, live our lives with you. Thank you for working in us tonight. In Jesus' name.